Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me this morning and giving me the activities of my limbs. I also want to keep those that are in prayer that are dealing with this coronavirus and family members of those that are sick and that are shut in. Ms. Perkins, I want you to call in. I've been looking for you. I see you on here. But in honor of what would have been my father's 76th birthday, I wanted to talk about fatherless daughters. Now, I'm the oldest, but I'm not his only child, so I want to put it out there for my siblings to call in to, as well as family members. But today is his birthday, and it's funny because People call him the MBD, the male bulldogger. I call him. He was the oldest gangster rapper that I know of. And if he was still alive, things would probably would be a little different. But I want to talk about this because we need to stop killing our brothers and sisters, and we also have to put an end to black-on-black crime because we need our fathers. So I'm hoping that my cousin call in. I may have to go off Facebook Live to text him to remind him that it's time because he said he got me. But I want to talk about that today. So in order, uh, in honor, because I'm an order, good Lord, in honor of William Carter Lee Brooks, I want to say happy birthday because if I wouldn't have, he would always call me and be upset with me for thinking I forgot his birthday when I didn't. So let me get ready for the show as well as start calling my family members who's supposed to be on this air with me. So, if you want to call in on the air, give me a call at 516-387-1914. Because, again, this is a very interesting topic. And not only is it an interesting topic, it's a topic that we really, really need to address. Because a lot of times, you know, we are not paying attention to things until it hits close to home. And, Will, I see that you did text me, but you can also call in if you want to talk because he said, thanks, I'll be listening. Your dad was a good man, so I thought maybe you was available. Now, when we start talking about what does it mean to be fatherless, now, we've been watching in the news and on Facebook and a lot of different things has been going on. A lot of individuals have experienced the death of a father to a senseless homicide or a black-on-black crime. A lot of times individuals talk about police brutality and the different things that have occurred. As I was even watching the news this morning, they had Eric Gartner's daughter on television, and she was talking about her father. And she basically, they're doing something called the American Trial, which is the Eric Gardner story, and they had his widow on there, and she was talking about how it felt and how she learned of the senseless murder by, you know, watching it on television and seeing that. And a lot of times individuals don't realize how traumatizing that can be. I remember my father would call in on my show prior to his his murder, and I noticed that that particular day he didn't call. 
which was December the 18th. I didn't hear from him, and it was kind of odd because he had been calling weeks before, calling in. Even if he didn't know the topic, he would just call in just to make me laugh. And when I didn't get the call the next morning, I realized that I had missed 30-something phone calls. And when I went on to Facebook before I even started returning phone calls, I saw, I saw our rest in peace, Mel Bulldagger. And I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. And that was how I learned about it. Now, I can't really say what emotion I was feeling because I was shocked. But then again, I knew his lifestyle. So it was kind of, I was kind of in between. But it took me yesterday having a conversation with my daughter when we was talking about how it is to be without a father. And even though I was much older than a lot of these younger individuals and talking about the Floyd, um, the George Floyd's daughter who is or was a child and individuals are saying we'll walk her down the aisle and individuals are making commitments to step in to help those that they know have um, actually passed away before their daughters became adults. You know, I can say that I was, like I said, I was much older. But the problem is, talking to my daughter, I didn't realize the impact that it could have in regards to being a fatherless daughter because I guess my mother kind of sheltered my sisters and I from a lot of different things. And and I remember her on her deathbed, and she said to me, you know, Jeanette, the only thing that I hate about dying is leaving him as being your only parent. And I didn't know what she meant by that, but I kind of caught on to it later. Now, I have a caller on the other end. Let me log this person on. Good afternoon. This is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments. Number ended in 2-2. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Sorry I'm so late. What is today's topic? I haven't had a chance to read it because my eyes have been swollen. Oh, we. Today's topic is fatherless daughter. And I picked this topic. I was trying to come up with a, with a topic that would fit because today is actually would have been my father's 76th birthday. But, however, he was murdered by one of his friends on December the 19th, 2017. So he was actually 74 when he was murdered. And so my father used to always get on me after his birthday, or he'd call me that evening, why didn't you call me for my birthday, or you forgot about my birthday. And it was interesting because I never forgot about his birthday. I would always, and sometimes out of all of my sisters, be the one that would call him and tell him happy birthday, but yet he would call and fuss at me and wouldn't even call my other two sisters that was in California. So that's what we're talking about today is being a fatherless daughter. And even on the a news... Fatherless, what, a fatherless daughter? A fatherless daughter, a child without a father. Okay. Child without a father. Now, your okay. children are fatherless, and even though they became fatherless, it was because your husband got sick and passed. But the topic today is talking about some of the things that happens when individuals grow up without a dad to where some individuals have lost their fathers due to sisters' crimes, murders, be it as a, as, by a friend, a drive-by, because we're seeing a lot of times that some fathers are dying younger and younger. Now, 
and I know this is Michelle, but Michelle, I don't know much about your father. I heard you talk about your mother. Uh, how old was you when your father passed? I was 14 when my father passed. How did your father pass? He had cancer. Okay. What was it like for you as a teenager growing up without your father? Well, um, to be honest with you, uh, it was just different. I'm not, I'm not sure because six months after he passed away, my mother um, took a promotion for Cal State Fullerton to assistant to the dean, and um, she had us move. And when we moved, we were hit by a drunk driver, and I was I lost four year almost four years of my life. So wow. I didn't wake up for eight months after in a coma, and then I didn't remember anything. I didn't even remember everything about my father dying. So that's kind of a hard thing to describe because I had to be told about my life. Wow. Wow. So, you know, um, but that, to not have is, a father, uh, I think, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's definitely a tragedy in, in regards to the traumatic brain injury and then trying to remember these things, but then there were still some milestones in your life that even as a young adult, that your father wasn't there because he had passed, that he missed out on. And those are some of the things, too, even once you were able to, um, you know, come do better with your injury. Right. Now, I know that, you know, I can, I know how my kids that, you know, I've adopted that because their father passed away under, you know, because he fell and had a craniotomy and got infected and, he didn't survive the brain surgery, but just watching them grow up without a father, I mean, they were, they were babies when we adopted them, but, you know, now they're, you know, two of them are disabled. It destroyed my 10-year-old and my 19-year-old. They both went off to the, could not handle it. So, um, you know, watching my other kids go through without a father, you know, um, and my kids all came from parents that had been either murdered or drugs or alcohol or things like that. They were very, you know, so they, but they were only a year or two old when I got them. So, but they still had, were exposed to that. And as they grew up, my oldest daughter, you know, wanted to meet her biological. And when she did, they were still the same and didn't even care about her life. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I miss my dad, and I wish I'd had a dad, and I wondered how life would have been if I'd had a dad. But all I had was my mom, so I had to follow. I mean, a lot of people say I look like her, and I am exactly like her. I'm a very strong-willed person, and I'm very strong. However, they don't realize, even though you're very strong, that you have your weak moments. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Now, I have some information, and it's coming from wehavekids.com. And it talks about fatherless daughter, how growing up without a dad affects women. And, you know, because growing up without a dad shapes who we are, whether we realize it or not. And that's where when I was having this conversation with my daughter, because we were watching the movie All American, and we were talking about fathers that may have left the home and took care of other children that weren't theirs. And, you know, and there's a lot of things that happen. And sometimes kids carry this anger, this resentment, and sometimes they take it out not only on the world, but also on themselves. 
And so she had this conversation with me, and she kind of made me see things from a different perspective that I didn't even think about because my mindset was so different. It goes back to what you were saying, Michelle, about being strong because I grew up with a strong-willed mother. I grew up with a mother that was a single mother, but she wore a lot of hats. So we were never taught to depend on my father, and even when my Sister was a baby or younger. My sister would always be, I want my daddy, I want my daddy. My mother would be ready to beat the hell out of her, you know. But that what she felt was her only out was a, a father. I, I never looked at it from that point of view. So with the information that I'm looking at, and it talks about, and the person that wrote this article, and she indicates that it took decades, but she finally uttered a huge truth that caused her tremendous shame and sadness. And see, sometimes we think that when our fathers leave, that our fathers don't love us, we'll watch our father leave. I remember when my goddaughter's father was murdered, and he had just dropped her off to go to daycare, and when he came back, he was murdered in his mother's driveway. And I felt so bad for her. And I just remember her mother saying, what is my daughter going to do? What is my daughter going to do? Because she was so close to her father. And, you know, she still honored his memory. She still visited his grave. I'm so proud of her. And even in her milestones that she's, and her accomplishments, but she still did things. And her mother remarried and. You know, and her mother's husband was very close, played the father role for her, to her because he's very um, paternal, which is very great. But fatherless daughters, in some cases, they can have self-esteem issues. And what they indicate is, and it came from an author of divorce consultants, kids often blame themselves when their dad leaves home and become less involved in their lives and when they aren't given an explanation, which is one. But they also blame themselves sometimes, too, when their fathers have been killed or murdered. Because I've seen not only daughters but also sons whose fathers were gunned down, killed in tragic drive-bys, either want to seek revenge or, you know, I remember how my cousin's life was when his father was murdered when he was 10 years old. What is your take on that, Michelle, when it talks about how individuals, especially um, daughters, can have self-esteem issues when their father is not around? Well, my daughter, well, both my youngest one and my oldest one, um, I just, I don't know, I, I... I'm like I'd be very proud of them if they would like like I would you know join I'm proud of them anyways but I understand that they can't deal with it so I worry every day that I'm going to get a call that they've committed suicide. Wow. Okay. Because you know and sometimes they, these they don't want to anymore. I, I remember when he died my oldest one had him and she was laying on his arm, chest and she didn't want to live anymore. And she stuck around for several months, but then after that she just took off. And I hear from her periodically, and she doesn't want me to have her phone number, and she leaves a message. The youngest one just cries and cries. You know, she doesn't. Um, so I have to do this. And then the middle one who's, who is um, um, semi-disabled, you know, 
she cries and talks, but we we play a little game like with mm-hmm. she talk to Jesus and about he's helping God. He's helping God. Um, okay. And okay, that, we, we have another caller, Michelle. Let me add this mm-hmm. caller. Oh, give me one second. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Fragments Blog Talk Radios. And what would you like to add to the show? Number in and in zero five. Okay, they're not saying anything. Okay, the next thing that this article talks about is a lot of individuals that are daughters of the fatherless, that they, the absence of the father can cause a person to struggle to build and maintain relationships. And, you know, Michelle, I find that to be interesting because a lot of times when even as a marriage and family therapist, I notice that individuals, when I'm doing therapy, I always gather information about their childhood, how they were parented, what it was like for them, their relationships with their parents, because what they see is what they repeat. And when they don't have that father figure in their life, Sometimes it's very difficult because sometimes they may marry a man similar to their father or kind of like wanting that or longing for that man, and they have this image and persona of a person. Do you have any comments in regards to that? Yeah, actually I've seen that happen a lot where they marry someone like their father, and um, and that's what they want because they're looking for a father figure or they'll end up they're younger, marrying an older man because they're mm-hmm. looking for a father figure, which, you know, I don't have a problem with, like, if my daughter wanted to marry someone older. I don't think that it's so much. My husband was older than me by 15, 16 years anyways. So, and my father was the same with my mother, which is interesting. And, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but that's what happened. Uh, but nobody ever realized my husband was that much older than me. But um, he, we could still keep up and do whatever. But I know people that I've seen people that their daughters they're try to because they didn't have a father they marry someone older the same way like a daughter sometimes I mean, a da- and they marry a father marry someone who's older because they didn't have a father just like sometimes a son might marry if they didn't have a mother they might marry mm-hmm. someone older. Well, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I'm thinking about this because, like I said, when I was growing up, my father always had this bad boy image. And he was, he did a lot of stuff, girl, when it comes to, my mother used to say my father was the oldest teenager she ever known. Because when it came to anything bad, anything, my father was involved. He did not care. And um, and I noticed that even when I was younger and dating, my boyfriends were always bad boys. And I, and I never realized it until someone brought that to my attention. Okay, I have a caller on the line. Let me add this caller on. Good afternoon, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments, number ending in 7-2. How are you doing? Okay, number ending in 7-2. You're on the air. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. How are you doing? Doing great. Greg Martin, San Diego, California. Okay. And what would you like to add to this show as we're talking about fatherless daughters to where, and not only fatherless daughters, I said that because today would have been my father's 76th birthday and I'm his oldest daughter, but by that same token, this is for any individuals that have lost their father, that have became fatherless. We're talking about individuals dying, you know, a senseless crime. The father could have gotten sick. 
And even if a person is in marry in a relationship with someone who was fatherless, and talking about some of the ways that some of the behaviors, emotions that they notice that the person go through, so that we can offer some type of help or support. So, what would you like to add, or any questions you may have as it relates to this topic? You know, I, I was really calling them to listen in to you know, um, growing up in in the area. You know, I grew up uh, uh, in Compton, California right there on Wilmington Avenue, and I saw this, just the senseless killing. And I see what happened to, to the boys that grew up without their fathers. What happened mm-hmm. is um, you notice that um, they, they go one of two ways. Either they go the way of I don't really care about, a lot of times you see that men will grow up not caring about family. And others, you know, I've met other guys whose dads weren't there, and they grew up to make sure that they would be there for their dads. And I just wanted to hear some of the opinions and just, uh, you know, um, just hear the heartbeat of, of the listeners on, you know, on how it's affected their lives and, and, uh, and your own life, I, you know. Um, and, and my condolences, you know, to your family, um, to the Brooks family, uh, you know, growing up from around the corner from you guys, I just uh, – you know, I didn't, I didn't I even know. I was going to tell you, aware. you said Wilmington, I was going to say, uh, yeah. you did grow up close to me if you grew up on Wilmington. So, <laughs> yeah, right there around the corner. Yeah, but, because um, uh, that's the case. I don't know if you know me personally, but um, you know I'm not that wasn't that far from there. And my father used to hang out in Corner Pocket, and um, right. yeah, my old dad I know it, so I know the area very very well. And it's interesting because even growing up in Compton, I never really paid it any attention until my daughter brought it to my attention just yesterday. Just the impact, mm. because even when my father was murdered, the first thing I did was went into business mode. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. You know, versus trying to grieve or thinking, wow, what is it going to be like to not have a father? You know, when I was 10 years old and my uncle was murdered, and he was only 25, and he used to work at Lou's Liquor Store on off, off of Wilmington, where you should know where that is. But a lot of times we just never really processed it. We thought it was kind of normal, and it's not. And especially those that even grew up in single-parent home. And then there's those, I was watching a young man who got a scholarship to go to Harvard Law School where his mother left. He grew up with his father, and then still, you know, father had a stroke. So individuals have dealt with so many different obstacles, and many of us have not ever processed it. Now, I I talked about the self-esteem thing. There's another one that indicates that individuals in regards to the absence of fathers are more prone to depression. That's a whole other issue is the mental health, because individuals can experience anxiety. They can experience depression. They can have eating disorders. They can experience PTSD, especially if they witness their fathers being murdered, gunned down, or beat up by the police, or whatever the case may be. You know, those traumatic incidents don't just disappear, especially without getting some type of help. A lot of times individuals experience drug and alcohol issues, domestic violence issues. It can play a part in a person's life in a lot of different ways. Now, if individuals want to call in, if you have any questions, if you want to either share about your father or if you knew William Carter Brooks personally 
and you want to share a story or something you remember about him because today is his birthday, please call in. You can call in at hi hello three eight seven one nine one four. Okay, who just said hi hello? Hi, this is Latoya from Jamaica. I'm listening to your your show. Okay. And what do you want to add to the show? Yes, I would like to add to the show um, as a child growing up without a dad. Okay, you must be in the same room with Michelle because you got a background noise going on. Okay, what do you want to say? How was it like for you in Jamaica growing up without a dad? Um, Growing up without a dad was like um, searching for someone that was missing out of my life and could not find that person. So Mm -hmm. I ended up finding a a friend that will always listen to what I'm saying in my teens, and then we grew up together and got, got kids and got married. But that person was like, my father, my my husband, and everything to me, but there was still something missing. Mhm. You know what? And it's interesting you said that because it brings me to the next thing, is especially with daughters that are born or not born, but that fathers daughters that are have fatherless, they are also more likely to become sexually active earlier, and a lot of times it's because. They are striving for that that intimacy, that bond, looking for that love. And studies have shown that there is a lot of benefits that come from a strong father-daughter bond, but most girls, young ladies, who are close to their dads are less likely to get pregnant as teens. They delay engaging in sexual relationships. They wait longer to get married and have children. And when they do find a husband, their marriages are more emotionally satisfying, stable, and long-lasting. And that's because they have that male role model. But when they don't have it, they found that individuals are more likely to go to try to look for it. The gentleman that's on the phone with us and said he grew up in Compton, any comments in regards to that, any, in regards to some of the things that you've noticed or have seen? Well, I've realized that um, when, um, yes, we, we, we do um, have the urge to um, get weight for um, having kids and getting married because I didn't have any kids in my teens, even though we started mm-hmm. in our teens. And um, but after a while, the relationship got controlling, and um, that's what I didn't like about it. Mhm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, the other gentleman that's on the phone. Anything you, else you want to add to the show, or when I ask the question of some of the things that you've noticed growing up in Compton? You know, um, I know okay. one thing that. Uh, okay, can you hear me at all? This is Greg Martin, San Diego. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, my dad um, was was around, but he was in and out because he worked out of town. But I noticed that just having that, that figure and that presence, um, it added an enrichment to my own life. And I notice now having my own children. And when I meet their children and I meet the, the daughters without dads, and the sons without dad, I really do see the difference in how we 
how uh, they relate to adults and especially men, you know, um, as, as I had uh, volunteered in, in, you know, in the community, um, I noticed how the ones without parents or the ones without the dad did gravitate uh, to to the men, um, the men figures there, and uh, and it, and it gave us as, as men an opportunity to give back because you can see the heartbreak, you can see the difference, and I could hear it in the in the in the last caller's voice. We talked about looking for someone who wasn't there, and the last okay. thing I can say is that um, I have a a, a bishop, um, and and and. What he always talked about was that he grew up without a dad. He had a father figure in in in, the, in, in God and that that he had to use. But he um, he helps me to appreciate growing up with the dad and and um, even even uh, watching you know yourself and your sisters grow up. You know when you know when we were younger, um, I see how successful you've become. And I attribute that to something you said. It's that when men have a relationship, especially with their daughters, um, the daughters do tend to excel and thrive in, in a lot of those situations. And I'll, I'll turn mm-hmm. it back over. To no, you can keep talking. That I have. You know what? One thing I'm going to say. I do this as a platform to give people a voice. That's why mm-hmm. I do what I do. That's why I take time out of my day, even as a therapist running a corporation with, you know, working, doing a whole bunch of different things. And if you, like I said, if you grew up with me, it's funny because, you know, I was always smart in school, but um, it ain't like I was always not in trouble, but I just got in a different type of trouble. But, (laughs) But the thing is, I had parents that my mother was very strict, but my mother forced education upon me. And even prior to my father passing, he or his death, he would call my show and would laugh and talk. And I'm doing shows about drug and alcohol use. And my father would be like, Janine, I ain't never known you to use no drugs. I never did, you know. But I was blessed to be able to have this platform to give people hope, to let people know it was is possible. I was just in the neighborhood a couple of weeks ago when Troy died. I always go back to the neighborhood, you know, so I never made it to where I was unreachable or people couldn't connect with me or couldn't talk to me. You know, I'm still the same Jeanette I was way back then, you know, which a lot of people find it to be interesting, but, but I am. But And I want to also say, you know, because, like I said, when my father was always in the pocket and the stuff that he did, my mother kind of isolated that stuff from us, from me and my sisters. But yet, I noticed that when I started dating the men that I was dating, you know, the stuff that my sisters did, and, and it all made sense, especially when I was talking to my daughter yesterday. And I want to share some information that even when we talk about men that are incarcerated or men that are in prison, there is a large number of men that are incarcerated that are fathers. They have fathered children out there, and the kids sometimes are lost, and they don't know what to do. And I've heard little young men, especially when I was doing my internship at Juvenile Hall, 
who fathers was doing life in prison, and we see it in movies, that sometimes that's their goal, and that's their way of maybe only being able to connect with their father is to get, be, to get locked up. Now, we have another caller on the line. Let me log this person on. Hi, this is Jeanette. Good afternoon. Welcome to Precious Ligaments. Number is in 6-7. How are you doing? Hey, what's up, Jeanette? You know what, cousin? You know I'm going to call you fussing at you. <laughs> yeah, I had a meeting, so there's nothing I could do. Um, thank you, Steph. Uh, no problem. Yeah, I just got no out problem. of the meeting. No problem. Yeah, I, just, I knew I was no. late. I'm like, I'm, she's going to be yelling at me. But, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. no, no, you know, I do it in a different way. You know, I'd be like, right. that's why I've never you know nobody. Right. That's why I've always been independent. That's why I forget it. I'll do it myself. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I, I put on my so good, my big girl face. I can figure it out. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, no, but thank you, cousin, for calling because you know what? I did reach out That's to right. the family. I did put it out uh-huh. there because with uh-huh. his with his birthday, because you know if he was alive, he'll be having a party. He'll be trying yeah, to celebrate because that's what he go do. So, yeah, I, and I got tired time. as long as I remember him calling me. You forgot about my birthday and calling me by that yeah. name Tuki. I hate it being called Tuki. Yeah. I said when he passed, yeah. at least I ain't got to be called Tuki no more. Hey, Tuki. Yeah. Oh, I used to be mad. But, <laughs> but what do you want to say yeah. in regards to your uncle and we can talk about being fatherless? Um, well, you know, Uncle Carter was Uncle Carter was great. He's a character. Um, you know, uh, he's him and dad were best friends, no doubt about it. They always argued like cats and dogs, but uh, you know, Uncle Carter was beautiful when um, dad passed away. He really took care of but, all the arrangements and stuff, and I didn't have to really deal with all that, um, which was nice. I could just come down and, and just kind of mourn dad, and Uncle Carter really, really grabbed the reins, and I always, I always appreciate that. You know, well, you know what? You know what? That. He wasn't always the most responsible person, but he stepped up mm-hmm. to the plate when he came to his big brother. That yes, he, he did. did. Yes, he, did. he, he yes, stepped he up did. to the plate to make sure yes, that that got taken care of. And I felt he bad for him when that. my mother passed at my mother's funeral. Because mm-hmm. when my mother mm-hmm. died, he was lost. He didn't know what to right. do. They had sat yeah. for so long. So even when he walked yeah. in and saw her in her bed and couldn't talk, when she when he didn't get cussed out, he knew she was dying. Right. He had never That's been around my mother and didn't get cussed yeah. out, get something thrown at him yeah. or get beat up. So <laughs> he yeah. didn't know what to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, he was right. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was rough. It was rough. Yeah, it's um, you know your mom's so feisty. You know, just like you expect the the energy level. You know, the rise. When she comes in the house, and if she's if she's chilling, like she's not well, you know. So it was the thing about it is, um, you know, Jeanette, we're all flawed, you know. We're all banged up, you know. And Uncle Carter was doing the best he could do with what he got, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we're all we're all we're all banged up, you know. And Uncle Carter had real. Love in his heart for people and for his kids and for his nieces and nephews, you know. And that's what that's just what I remember about him, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know what? Sense. And the sure. thing is, we gotta yeah. remember that fathers matter. They matter, and a lot of times, 
you know, no matter whatever happened in a relationship between your parents, sometimes, and that, and you know what, Cedric, that was the one thing that got me through a lot of things. I had to realize right. that my parents didn't know no better. Right. They didn't know no better. Right. They, they can right. only give me what they had. And I right. also right. realized right. Right. that right. my parents was afraid for me. Because right. when my father passed, the one thing I thought about was, oh, my God, I ain't got no bodyguard now. Who am I going to call right. when I get in trouble with these folks and I need somebody that right. got that I don't give a damn attitude, go fuck you up? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I right. I, exactly. I'm like, oh, my God, now I'm all by myself. You know, and then I had to think about it. I said, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm not by myself. Because you know if something go down, I'm going to call my da- the daddy. All I got to do is say, daddy, right. he mad. Right. What are you What you going to do? Don't tell me unless I'm going to do this. Because he was always threatening somebody. He didn't care how old he was. He didn't care what he did. He just didn't care. You know? And and that's why even the man that killed him, I was like, I feel bad for him. You know, I I didn't go to the the trial or anything because at the time Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, we was burying fish. But um, right. I said, ooh, I would not have want that jacket on my shoulder, on my head. Yeah, no, Mm-mm. nope. Somebody come and somebody gonna ask you about it. You know, you will be, you will be questioned about that. You know, it's like and you killed a male bull dagger. Ooh, <laughs> right. exactly. I don't think exactly. I want to go to jail for that one. Now, no. talking about society, society has a problem with absent men. And every other week, mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, we're talking about fathers are not there for their families. We're talking about fathers mm-hmm. being gunned down. We're talking about these things that are happening. Now, Cedric, you've also, because your father worked in the field of law enforcement, juvenile hall, mm-hmm. you see a lot of young men, too. What are some of the things that you do to help young men understand that they are loved, they're valued, they're important, especially when they become fathers? Well, it's for me. It's it starts with the very first interaction that I'm going to treat you with respect, you know, and that my door is always open. Like I'm working at at Job Corps now with these young men, and they're between the ages of 16 and 25. So, like a lot of them, they they're not kids; they're adults, you know, they're mm-hmm. adults, but they're kind of functioning on a, but they're not functioning as adults, you know. So you just kind of kind of meet them where they're at. And let them know that you're going to support them and that you care and that you're important. Like a lot of guys, don't they don't really feel like they're important. You know, mm-hmm. like they'll be fine. They didn't have a father. Their kids will be fine without them. No, they won't be fine without them. They need you in their life. Because mm-hmm. you damn sure can tell, you can tell the students that have had their fathers for the difference between the ones that haven't. Mm-hmm. And you can you learn that like right oh like you can tell right away like if you're having a conversation with them and they get combative towards you if you have to have an assertive conversation you can tell that guy probably didn't have his father and he he sees me as a threat but mm-hmm. students that have had their father and you have to get combative with them or and they, they say okay Mr. Boyd you're right you know that makes sense you know not. F you, bud, who are you talking to like that? And I'm like 50 years old, and they're talking to me like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? But so, you know what, Cedric? One of the things that I noticed, and I, I mean, I noticed what you say, especially about mm-hmm. your father, is, mm-hmm. you know, you remember when your father left home, and I remember when, when your father, when you guys lived out there towards Sacramento, 
And you said that mm-hmm. your father was a good father, but he wasn't a good husband. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times men struggle with that. And even as a therapist, That's when I work I mean. with children, I have to let the children know that if your father leaves the home, it's not your fault. That's between right. your right. parents. And a lot of times kids hold on to that pain and they think it's their fault because sometimes their lifestyle changes, you know. Mm -hmm. And we have those that are fatherless because their fathers, like I said, are incarcerated. Now we got this coronavirus Mm -hmm. taking a lot of people out. We got Mm -hmm. people that have died on the streets at the hands of police or black-on-black crimes. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. reasons in regards to why these things are happening, and it shouldn't be. But when you were mm-hmm. growing up, did you ever think about that, or what was your take on it as a child when your father wasn't in the home? With your father not um, being in the Well, you know, my dad was always connected with us, even when my parents got divorced. Like, he was always, he was there every weekend. He'd pick us up and, you know, just really, um, you know, he was just, he always let us know he was there. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he didn't grow up with that. You know, so it was really mm-hmm. important to him to know that, that you know, even if we fight or argue or whatever, like, he's always got our back, you know, and he always did. And for those short period he didn't, that I felt like he kind of didn't, he was doing, but he was he had his own troubles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He went through his own deal with his, with his second wife, you know, so... He just really wasn't, like, thinking back on it, he really just wasn't available at that time. But by that time, I was already an adult, you know. But even mm. so, um, Dad was always there. He was always there. My dad was always there. And and, and let's say presence over perfection, you know. <laughs> um, and, I, and I want these guys to know, and I want them to understand that they have a lot to offer. You know, maybe it's not financial. Maybe they don't, financially they're not on their feet. But your presence in your child's life is important, and you are important, mm-hmm. and you matter. And, yes, mm-hmm. they'll probably, they'll, they'll survive, but they won't thrive. And if they thrive, it'll be in spite of you and not because of you, and that's not, and you'll have to deal with that, you know. Yeah. So, you know what, Cedric, what you just said was interesting because just yesterday Ryder was at my house and Reggie called and Reggie was FaceTiming and wanted to talk to Ryder. And Ryder didn't want to get on the phone. Ryder said, no, I don't want to talk to you. And the lady that was standing in my home came and said, Ryder, you need to talk to him. Because Ryder is developing this attitude like, I don't want to talk to him. Like, I got my granny, I got Keisha. I don't. And when Reggie tries to reach out, Writer rejects him, and he's only four years old. And, and I'm like, where is Writer getting this where he don't even want to connect? But then Writer's going to meet that male figure because there's things that, you know, yeah, Reggie got some growing up and some maturing to do, not only with Writer but mm-hmm. also with his other children. But I'm watching a four-year-old reject his father, and there's a lot of fathers that have been rejected by their children because their children don't know how to express their pain. And so we need to find a way to heal that pain so that the fathers don't feel rejected, the kids don't feel rejected, so that they can learn how to develop this bond. Well, you know, if it doesn't exist in the beginning, it's very hard to build it later, 
you know. But it's doable, that's for sure, and it's definitely worth it. But, um, you know, when when children are hurt, they don't understand kind of the relationship that their parents have, you know. They're just kind of seeing it from a child's perspective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, people want to they want to love their father. It's just that they got to, you know, you're, you're a therapist. They got to get through the hurt, mm-hmm. you know, they got to get through the pain of it all, you know, and as a, and as a man, you have to be able to kind of absorb that. If you kind of created that and you have to be mm-hmm. patient and you have, and eventually they will like, they'll come back around because they want to be with their father, mm-hmm. you know, they just, see, they, this they, is they the thing with writer situation. Reggie didn't just walk away from Ryder. I mm-hmm. was one that kind of talked Reggie into signing over his parental rights because it would have been easier to help Tisha raise Ryder than for Reggie to raise Ryder because Ryder got caught up in the system because of Ryder's mother. I didn't even know mm-hmm. Ryder was in existence. I didn't even know. So I had to, mm-hmm. again, put on my big girl panties and be like, we got to do something right now. Because if I would have been right. with Ryder, and that would have been all bad. I asked Ryder one day, because right. teacher told told me and Ryder, we was getting on her nerves, and she was leaving both of us. I said, Ryder, teacher said she's leaving us. What you going to do? He said, well, I guess I'll go with you until you can really leave me, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all I could do was laugh. Yeah. That's wrong. But it, it, it's yeah, sad because I'm watching this young boy yeah. and this young man. Like, uh, we need some help around here because I'm about to knock you out. So, right, right. Well, part of it is, like I said, when people are fatherless, here writer is just rejecting this man for no reason. So mm-hmm. we have to do better. Now, if anybody want to call in on the show, if you have any comments, suggestions, things you want to share, give us a call at 516-387-1914 because I do want to hear your thoughts. I do want to hear what it was like if individuals are for kids that have lost their parents, how it can shatter their world, mm-hmm. and even when adults have lost their parents or their parents are sick. I was one of um, my Facebook friends, Laverne Matthews, I saw her Facebook post where her father was just at home and he's on hospice. And I saw what she mm-hmm. posted we're listening to ZZ Heels and, you know, and she's trying to do these right. things because whether you are a kid or whether you are adult, it is a painful experience to be fatherless. It, it really is. Or to feel like you can't help your parents when they need your help. You know, Correct. you don't know what to do. You don't know what you, to yeah, do. Yeah, you're powerless. Yeah. Because they're the help, you know, <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. when dad died, I was 42 years old, and still I was like, uh, I guess it's on me now, you know? <laughs> and I was all like, hang on one sec, hang on one sec, uh, Jeanette. I got to put you mm-hmm. on hold for a second. Yeah, and you know what, so you got to realize that you were the same age that I was when, when your father died, when I was my, my mom died. But one of the things is also you can get support from people who've been there. When we're talking about a fatherless daughter, a fatherless son, whether it's as a child or even if it's as an adult, you want to make sure that you get some support. Because one of the things is knowing that what you're feeling is what you're feeling, but you also have to understand the grief process. Because a person can grieve whether their fathers or their parents are alive or whether they're deceased. 
whether they're ill or whatever the case may be. You go through the different stages of the denial, you go through the anger, you go through the bargaining, you go through the acceptance, you also deal with the hope, and then you deal with guilt. Guilt plays a big role when individuals feel fatherless. Cedric, let's talk about the guilt a little bit sometimes that some of the people feel. Because that guilt can be so emotionally charged, and that guilt can also have a lot to do with people's behavior in regards to... In terms, in terms of what, Jeanette, uh, you're saying if a, stu- if, a, if a father leaves their child, are you talking about the no, child? No, when a person becomes fatherless, or the oh, father yeah. can still be there, or the, meaning that mm-hmm. the father don't have to be deceived. The father can be um, incarcerated. The father can be um, having mental problems. The father right. can be having medical yeah. problems. But when you go through the stages of grief, because you can grieve and just because you're of the loss or the absence, you go through the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the acceptance. And then last, the two stages that they added onto this is one deal with the stage of hope, and then people deal with stages of guilt. And I was seeing how sometimes that guilt can be so strong till a lot of times individuals struggle with the guilt because the guilt can be unrealistic guilt too. It's not even something that a person should even have to feel guilty about, but they still experience right. an emotion where they have to understand what that emotion is about. Yeah, I, um, you're the expert. I'll just tell you for me with, with my dad, like – I have felt really fortunate to have him for 42 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I just felt really, I wasn't so much, I was sad because he was gone, but it was more like gratitude for me, you know, because there's so many guys I know that, especially younger guys, that just didn't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, they just didn't, they didn't have it. So I didn't, I didn't really feel a sense of, of guilt when he left, you know. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to relate to that. See, the you know guilt I mean? doesn't have to be a bad guilt. A guilt could be a, mm-hmm. I wish I would have done more, or right. I wish I would have played ball like he wanted me to. I wish I would have. Right. That could be a different type yeah. of guilt. I see what you mean. Yeah, like we could have spent more time together. Or Correct. More. Correct. Yeah, and those are the you. stages that people go through. Like, I can mm, say the acceptance. Sense. I was at an acceptance stage with my father way before my father was even murdered. If someone right, would have told you. me when I was 15 that my father was murdered, or if he would have been murdered when I was 15, I don't think my feelings at 15 versus my feelings at four, um, almost 50 would have been any different because of his mm-hmm. lifestyle. I had already mm-hmm. accepted it. It wouldn't have mm-hmm. been no surprise to me. So right. now, even with the acceptance stage, and I'm at the acceptance stage of it, there are still mm-hmm. times that I would, or holiday could come up, and I was so used to him calling, so I'm used to hearing from him every holiday, unless he's in jail. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I knew when he was missing that time. Because I told my mother, I said, you know what? Christmas, they came with your husband. Thanksgiving, the past with your husband. I said, you know what? It's not like him not to call. Because he's not going to miss your birthday. And he's not going to miss a holiday. He's going to call unless he can't. So those were some of the times that I would miss him the most 
is sure. when those events come about because Carter ain't gonna miss nobody. Right. And he gonna always want to rap, and he gonna always want to sing, and even if he right. didn't know what he was talking about, he ain't gonna let you know he don't know what you t- he ain't talking about. I remember um, one of the biggest arguments me and my father got into. He said he wanted to open up a transitional house. And I said, um, yeah. so are you going to have a for-profit or a non-profit? I don't want nothing non-profit. I ain't going to be not making no money. I need to get me a profit. Oh, Cedric, I started busting up. <laughs> he argued with me because he really didn't know the difference between a non-profit and a for-profit status. All he wanted to do was make some money, but he was going to tell me he yeah. opened up a transitional house, and he wants me to help him with his paperwork so he can start a business, but he don't want no non-profit because he ain't going to be a, a non-profit. You know, and, and he was really serious about what he was saying. So right, those are just some of the things that I miss about him because yeah. we would argue over some of the craziest stuff, and neither one of us would back down. If I knew what I was doing, he would give me that look like, okay, Tuk, you getting on my nerve. Okay, Tuk. And don't let him cheat playing cards. I'd be like, uh-uh. That was another one of my memories of him. We playing cards, he go cheat. I looked at him and I said, uh-uh. Yeah. I am not going to let you sit here and cheat me. <laughs> I know you just stacked yeah, the deck. Yeah. I know you did. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. right at you. Well, what you going to do? Okay, keep playing with me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's funny because of all of his children, even all of his siblings, he always knew Cedric. I was never afraid of him. He was like, yeah. he would look at me and just shake his head like, I don't know what to do with you. I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's complicated, you know, when, you're, when your father passes away, you know. Mm-hmm. It just, it's. It is, you know, because me and Dad, as close as we are, we had our moments, you know. <laughs> we had our moments, and and then it's like, like you said, the guilt of those moments that you have um, can be overwhelming. But then, like, I guess the best thing you can do is just, like, for me, every time I think of Dad, I just smile, I just laugh, you know, because mm-hmm. I think about the crazy stuff and the. In a, in a bad golf swing, and a, you know, just everything, mm-hmm. everything just hits me, and it's generally positive. I always tell the young people that I work with, and, and I go, you know, you know, my dad told me this one time, you know, and they're like, oh, your dad must have been like a real cool dude. I was like, yeah, he was real cool. He's just smart, you know, and everything was. Oh, he was very smart. Okay, man. Yeah. Your father was very articulate, intelligent, yeah, knew history. He was very yeah. smart. And him and Carter were getting into arguments right. over history. Your father knew history. Carter knew black history. Your father talking about something. Carter right. going to talk about black Panthers, burning down churches. Right. He was talking about right. <laughs> Your father was on a whole other level. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, uh, wow. Yeah, wow. It's, it's, no, it was great. And, like, even, like, like the older guys that I work with and with their kids, uh, one one guy was I'm super close with. Um, he has sons. He has like three boys, and he always says to me, "I always think, what would Sam's dad do in this particular situation?" He said he literally says that. He's like, "I wonder what Sam's dad would do," because we had a situation where like the boys were getting too comfortable. At the house, I was like, well, it's time for them to go. 
You know, because as my dad told me, you can't be part time grown, man. <laughs> well, like that, part time job. No, you can't be part time grown. You got to figure it out. You know, and if you don't want to figure it out here with what I'm telling you, you have to figure it out somewhere mm-hmm. else. You know, and they finally got to the point where they did do that to the boys. Like, okay, you know, like you got to, I love you, and because I love you, I'm going to trust that I put all the stuff in you that, that needed to be put in there, and now you got to go apply it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so, you know, just stuff like that, just conversations like that when I have with, like, young people, and they come to me with stuff. Uh, the first thing I think about is, okay, what would dad say? What would, what, how would he just make sense to them? You know, and it's, it's effective because all the years that I've been doing this, I'm, I still have contact with the young people. I still, they still call me. They still ask me for advice and still, and they're not even in the programs and stuff. You know, they're just, they're just like, I wonder what Mr. Boyd would think about this. And this would make sense. You know what? When you said yeah. that, Cedric, I had to think about that. Um, I can't, you know, because we grew up kind of different. And I can't mm-hmm. say one of my parents would be saying, because as soon as you said that, all right. I could think of is when I would go to my father about something, he said, do I need to dig a hole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which probably... Probably the first thing popped in my look. I remember I told my uh, I told my father about an ex boyfriend one time. My father said, He's still alive. I said, uh, at the time he was still alive. He said, I tried my best to kill him. I said, You was gonna kill my (laughs) that see, I couldn't I didn't not my father. My father would kill you. Now, I right, want to give right. the listeners some information because I know we only have a couple of minutes left. And those of you that are fatherless, I just want you to say, and I want to share some things with you, and it talks about ten things nobody tells you about losing a parent. And it goes more into hey, a grief hey, Jeanette, because grief is really from Jeanette, let me jump in real quick. My friend that was on your, on your, uh, on your podcast here your radio, he wrote a book called uh, Being the Father I Never Had. His name's Dr. David Ennis. It's an excellent book. Um, I remember like that. 30 feet check marks you go down. You remember when he came on? So yes, book, I do. still available on Amazon called Being the Father or Being the Dad I, I Never Had. Um, it's by Dr. David Ennis. It's an excellent book and an excellent um, – because he didn't have his father. Uh, and his and the, the parts of his father he had were really drunk and abusive, so he had to kind of relearn how to be the father that he never had, and, and his book is an excellent um, resource for for young men that did not grow up with their father in a way that they can um, deal with and talk about and um, and help raising their sons and daughters. So it's an excellent book. I highly recommend it. Um, Dr. David Ennis, Being the Father I Never Had. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at right now okay. on the news, they're talking about Judge Wade's weather. ICE should release migrant parents with their children. You know what? This is just ridiculous. And parents should be with their children. But I also want to say, and I want to share some things. It talks about 10 things nobody tells you about losing a parent. One is it doesn't sink in for a while. Sometimes it takes a while before it sinks in, so don't rush it. Another thing is you don't have to be strong all the time, meaning if you want to cry, cry. When you want to laugh, laugh. But you don't have to always try to be strong. And you will remember their best bits. 
meaning you're going to remember some of the good memories, the bad memories. And when I talk about think about William Carter Brooks, there is a whole lot of memories and stories and stuff that I can tell and share of some events and things that have happened. Another thing, you will probably feel guilty in some ways, but you can work on how to let it go, meaning you don't have to carry any guilt, especially if it is guilt that's not even, um, I want to say, to where it's really, it depends, because your guilt is your guilt, but you can always process it. And also, how lost you feel. Another thing is your parents cared for you from the moment you entered the world. They nurtured you. They showed you the way in some a lot, lot of different things. And when life gets tough and you've needed their strength and their guidance, and sometimes individuals feel lost and alone, but just remember to process your feelings and emotions. And childhood memories fade faster than expected, meaning there's going to be times that your memories seem like it's faded, but you can always do things to hold on to your memories, and after a year or so, other people won't really seem to be as involved with you or your grieving process, and that's fine, but you can always reach out to them too. Another thing they don't share with you is how painful important milestones are because those milestones are important to you, and you can let them continue to be important. Like I said, the birthdays, the holidays, those are also your your weddings, your anniversaries, your graduations, and, you know, those are milestones. Another thing people don't share is how hard it is when you are unexpectedly reminded of your loss. And sometimes individuals may not want to talk about it. And the last one is how you eventually come to view your grief with love and appreciation. And part of that is learn to appreciate the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's a lot of things that even though, like I said, Precious Predicaments, Precious was my mother's nickname, and I did not want to have no nightmares for not bringing up my father's birthday to let him know that I did not forget. So in closing of the show, I want to say again, happy what would have been 70th, 6th birthday to William Carter Brooks, and may you continue to rest in peace. And I want to thank you for listening to me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. And I have a show tomorrow, which we will do from the pulpit to the couch, where you will be receiving biblical teachings from someone in ministry along with myself. And we're probably going to be talking about healing, because we really need a healing right about now. So until tomorrow, I want you to remember, you got this. Don't forget to share the information. And thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments. Goodbye.